Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Let's take a moment. Uh, Thank you for being here live today. Um, I know we're still fighting the Delta variant and some of our family are still not comfortable coming to service, so they're joining us online, or you're just in different uh, cities or countries, welcome. Uh, we are connected when we gather online or live, when we gather in Jesus' name, amen. So let's pray together and practice the rule of life. The rule of life simply is when you take a moment to center the inner life, the spiritual life, and get rid of all the distractions. And we're going to exhale just all our concerns and all things that are weighing on us. So let me give you a moment to just anchor yourself and invite the presence of the Lord. So right now, let's exhale all your concerns. Just bring it to the feet of Jesus. Let it go. And inhale the presence of God, His grace, and the seed that He has planted in your life for your assignment for this moment. All God's people pray. Amen. Welcome, guys. So, let me put this picture up here. So one of the things that the pandemic, just maybe at the advent, in the very beginning of this global health emergency, uh, we know, you know, the, the team knew that we had to quickly go online. And, you know, our church mostly are millennials, but I'm Gen X. I conveniently switch that when I need to. But uh, I am Gen X, and so I'm not in that, you know, technologically sound generation where I know everything. You know, we have a media team, a wonderful media team that kept everything afloat. But, you know, I remember it was a crisis because uh, our creative director usually does a wonderful job with the camera production and stuff like that. But I don't know anything about editing. I don't even know what it means to record things. I don't even record things on my phone. And, uh, and so Henry, our creative director, comes to me and says, Doc, you know, and he's about to almost like choke and break down because he's a, you know, hypochondriac, actually. He thinks he's sick. He thinks he has COVID already. He has no, zero antibodies, but he thinks he's sick and he thinks he's going to die. He goes, Doc, I will get on the bus and come to the island to shoot you if you really want that. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Because, uh, you know, I have a baby now. And if I die, what would happen to my family? And I was like, bro, chill out. 
Okay? You're not going to die. And I'm not going to demand that you come when you have a new newborn with all this camera production. So in the first few weeks of the pandemic, I didn't even have a camera stand. I was shooting literally with my hand like this <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> and the first two weeks, I was, I mean, I didn't really know. Like one of the one of the greatest challenges during COVID worship was I couldn't see what I was recording. Because you know the sun. So to, for, for me to see what I actually said, I didn't even have uh is it called AirPods? They're AirPods, right? <laughs> Uh, I didn't even have that yet. And um, so I'm trying to understand <laughs> what I was shooting, and I couldn't see. I was literally preaching blind. And sometimes on the beach and holding the camera, you know, I remember just a discouragement. And the enemy whispering, this is not going to work. And then I, I told God in the beach, God, I don't know how long I could do this. And I said, God, I can't do this for eight weeks. If that was my projection. <laughs> if I knew that it would last 15 months, I'd be like, Lord, let's close. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was holding with my hand. I mean, that's stupid. I mean, I'm, I'm Gen X. So, I mean, I, I was thinking, okay, I'll do this for eight weeks, you know. <laughs> And then I got a camera stand, which helped tremendously. Then editing, then sending it over. But there, there are dark times. I remember one time we recorded a message. And it wasn't my fault. It was Henry's fault. And uh, he completely mixed up the order because, you know, we recorded in segments. Intro, point one, point two, right? Uh, call to worship, all those things. And he switched the order. And it's definitely, I mean, one of those technical errors and I remember watching the message and I was still very discouraged about if we could keep this thing going and and I remember shutting off the message because I saw the view count go down I was like it's not gonna work and then the enemy was like you suck this is not gonna work this is this is like you know we're basically holding it together with straws and my family was like what are you doing <laughs> and I catastrophized and catastrophic, like, thinking, I'm like, this is not good. And then they're, like, shocked. Because they never saw me lose my exposure like that, composure like that. And they're just like, Dad, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine! <laughs> and people are concerned. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm counting. And by visual, by the optics, I'm thinking, this is not going to work. The devil's whispering, this is going to work. The, this is a disaster. Meanwhile... People are texting. This was so encouraging. Our whole family watched this. We're like, no, you're lying. You're just trying to be nice. Disqualifying the positive. All these maladaptive distortions. And wh why I'm sharing this with you is because, you know, I'm a human and I doubt just like you. And I am discouraged just like you. I have a masterpiece. <laughs> I can't control control. And, and just because I'm on this journey... And I know that, that the spiritual life is a marathon, not a sprint. And sometimes in this marathon, someone doing this for over 20-something years, not just but as a believer, as a, as a friend along the journey, sometimes I 
doubt and get discouraged and get down on myself and, you know, just lose my composure, just like you. And I say that because when you look at this text, Matthew 13, and the parable of the sower, the environment in which God's seed could grow in you, in your spiritual life, in your inner life, no one masters their spiritual life. We have to finish the race. We're on a marathon. And sometimes you sprain your ankle. Sometimes you break your leg. Sometimes you get injured. How many people here who run get injured when you run? Right? I mean, you, you, I, mean I know people that try to do triathlon. They're kind of those crazy, neurotic people that need to accomplish everything through their willpower. I'm not one of those people. But, I mean, when you hurt yourself... When you run the marathon, everybody knows you can't finish a marathon with a sprint. You gotta pace yourself. You gotta train. It's just like that in the spiritual life. When you look at Matthew 13, Jesus is giving you a matrix, right? Where something from something else is developing and shaping and becoming something. And it's a it's a hypothetical situation, right? It's not fact. It's completely anecdotal story to give you and to drive a point about how things grow and how things are the barriers to grow. So you can't be so catastrophic about your spiritual life because you feel discouraged. That's just what? Normal. Tell someone that's normal. You're human. No one masters peace. No one masters. And in those people who act composed all the time or poised, are lying to you. There's no one that can control the internal and the external environment of their lives because they're not God. And that's why I bring it up because I want you to be encouraged about your inner life and how you can flourish in your life and you take it as is. Some days you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days in your faith. But this is a marathon. You have to pace yourself. Because if, if when you look at your life, it's going to be hills and valleys. That's the point. There's, no, there's not going to be a plateau. It's going to be up and down in the journey. So let's go back to this passage. And we talked about the macro panoramic view of the spiritual life. And we said that, you know, it's, it's a difficult, arduous type of journey, the spiritual life. It's difficult. But the reality is there will be the path of the greatest resistance. There will be demonic resistance, there will be external resistance, internal resistance, all types in the four cases, right? The personal, the spiritual, the external. Today, I want to focus on the personal case. Because I think uh, it's important to understand that this is not fixed, right? This is situational. And so I want to help you sort of mitigate the personal case. What do you do when you're discouraged in your life and you feel like you're drowning in doubt, you're faltering in your faith, you're so discouraged, you're so out of it, you're drowning, feels like you're drowning almost. What do you do? Well, let's go to the passage and break down the text, the point of the personal case in this parable is this. So let's, let's read it. What's the point? Read it with me. You can't really judge someone's what? Spiritual temperature, their inner life, by their what? Outward expressions. 
Because many of you in this room are judgmental, right? You look at someone lifting their hands. Oh, they're so holy. Tears going down. You're like, wow, they love God. They must say God like that because I'm, I'm not like that, but they're like that. So the outward expression of those who serve and the, and the, the outward expression, the exuberance of faith seems like confidence in the inner life. But what the text is telling you is that you can't really tell the inner life, what's happening in the inside based on outward signposts, right? Because the text says the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who what? Hears the word at once, right? Josh does this. He usually gets something like a cookie or, you know, a cupcake and he eats it all at once. And he can't eat it all, but it gets all over his face. It falls off because it's, this person has no restraint almost. He has no restraint, but that never changes sometimes with some people. But, you know, and it says that the, it, here's the word and once receives it with joy, meaning they quickly receive the word and the external appearance, the temperature seems hot. They're the ones lifting hands. And two of my best friends in high school were the most devoted Christians I ever met in my life. Maybe more devoted than me, but probably not. But I mean, maybe. I said maybe, perhaps. They were the ones in the prayer meeting, early morning prayer, calling me in the morning, going, leave me alone, bro. No, you got to pray, you know? They're the ones praying in tongues. They're the ones exuberant in worship. They're the ones witnessing all the time. Now they're both atheists. That was a phase, man. We thought you would be this way. We were judging you like you were going to fall away. Like you're going to fall away. You're not praying enough. Sometimes the people that show no expression are the ones that are the holiest, actually. Oh, this person so aloof. This is how, if you want to know what you look like when I preach to you, this is what you look like. <laughs> no expression. Sometimes, <laughs> this is why I've learned in the last 20 years, I can't judge someone's spiritual temperature by looking at them. Oh, they're really engaged. One time, I, this person in our church, they look like they're sleeping. You know, that person's sleeping all the time. This person is, and you're like, you can't tell. They're sleeping. They recited the message to me. I'm like, you're sleeping. I'm not. I'm meditating. <laughs> yeah, right. When you look at the lens of the scourge, it's like, you're just sleeping. No, and then they recited. I'm like, wow, they look like they're sleeping, but they're not. They actually know it. One, one thing that really surprised me is, you know, you, you as a pastor, you wish that your message changed people's lives. But we know that based on the data, that's not true. No one remembers messages. It's momentary, right? Like, that's why the way I, I preach is instructional, try to push you to make a decision for you to follow God. Sort of like a psychologist or a counselor that help, helps you help you and charges you $300. <laughs> but that's why at this particular meeting with this couple, the COVID weddings that we had uh, in the past year, let's put that picture up there. Um, there's Robin Esther, there's Star and Roy, yay! And Star, I told you she took my driver and my sandwich, and that's the, that's the culprit right there. You see that? It's selfish. No, no, no but, um, but, but I remember meeting with Robin Esther 
while we were getting for, ready for the wedding. And I said, Esther, when did you know? And she told me the story. She leaned in. And I was really curious. Like, what, what, what hit it off? Because, you know, Rob is not the most exuberant, expressive guy. You know, he's like, you know, what do people say when you meet Rob? What, what's Rob? He's chill. He's just chill. <laughs> I swear, like, Rob and Esther, Esther's like chill too. So they're like, I don't know. They're like jello. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I remember, and Esther's like, you know, well, Esther's right here. Okay. Right from preaching you, Esther. And, and uh, yeah, you know, our friends and family, they try to get us together. I went to medical school with, you know, uh, sister-in-law, Rob's sister-in-law and Janice. And, you know, you know, and, you know, we were like resistant in the beginning. But eventually, like, you know, we got together. And I was like, okay, let me see what this guy's about. <laughs> and they talked and back and forth. And I was surprised to hear, Esther said, you know when the moment that really hit me is when he talked about a message of yours. I said, what? Because when I look at Rob, I don't know. He looked like this. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, I didn't know he actually, that was like five years ago. Well, you know, he could actually recite many of your messages. I'm like, well, I did change someone's life. I got him a, a, a wife. <laughs> but but uh, he said Kairos, you know, God's time and Kronos. You know, man's time. And when he said that, I was like, what? <laughs> she said, that's exactly what she said, what? I even thought about getting them a, chron a, a, a Kairos painting. <laughs> but then when I heard that, I was amazed and encouraged because that's what you dream about, right? When you preach the text, when you, you try to touch someone's life for good. But I couldn't tell by outward expression. And so if many of you in this room, especially during the pandemic, as we move back to normal, as you reach out to your friends, you're like, this guy, if this person's not going to come to church or this person's not going to come back or, you know, you feel discouraged. You look at the external signs and they look, you know, it's not going to work. But what this text is telling you, you can't judge internal, the internal life based on outward appearances. You never know what God will do. And that's why you have to live the spiritual life by faith, not by sight. Because if you live by sight, it's like buying and selling stocks based on fear and greed. So what's oh, going up? I got to chase it. And a lot of people, this, would, they, this is how they lose money. They chase the stock when it goes up and then it goes down. <laughs> One person told me my strategy is buy high and sell low. <laughs> And that's the spiritual life, right? If you, if you look through external signs, that's what you'll be following. Yo-yo. But if you do it by faith, because our goal in this passage, Jesus is preaching, right? Jesus is preaching the word. And thousands of people will fall away. Even his disciples fell away. Peter denied Jesus three times. But you know what the difference between Peter and Judas is one drowned in guilt and the other was redeemed. Because you can never tell what's happening in the inner life by, by external appearances. And why the New Testament reports Peter denying Jesus three times is because everyone that feels discouraged or disqualified, it says it's not over yet. Tell someone it's not over yet. Not over yet. It ain't over. Until the fat lady sings, but there's no fat lady in the Bible. 
So I'm just saying. Like, it ain't over. You think it's over. You think, that's it. I don't have any faith. I don't have any faith in this person coming to Christ. Or I'm not going to tell them about God anymore. It's just so discouraging. We talked about the framework of discouragement. But you can't do it. God calls you to be what? Faithful. It's his job to be what? How fruitful. It's our job. My job is to just preach the gospel faithfully. The amount of what? Faithfulness is up to, completely up to God. But the amount of faithfulness is completely up to me. And that's why the seed is always under siege, is always under attack. There's always resistance. Because what would happen if the potential seed of God was actually planted in the person that God could flourish? You never know what could happen. And the text tells you in the good soil that sometimes it's 30, 60 to 100. You don't know the degree. That's not even up to us. It's up to God. Our calling is to be what? Faithful. So let me ask you a question. When you look at external signs, who that you are witnessing to in your life, telling about Jesus, or even following Christ, you're discouraged by. I'm sure you have people in mind, oh, this person discourages me. I'm witnessing, they never want to come to church. Oh, they're, they're slippery fish. They discourage you. But I'm sure you can think about people who encourage you too, right? People have been telling me that, that uh, Janice and Eddie, they, they've been encouraging a lot of people after they had that child. They came to get baptized like three, like two weeks in after giving birth. That's like a record <laughs> at 180. And I was like, well, you're a physician. You know what you're doing. <laughs> and, and I remember people told me how encouraged they are that she's still facilitating smart groups. And one person said, I, I think it was uh, so, some people said in the field that it's a fluke. She must have had a good day. Then she came back next week. She made it look, this look easy. But they were encouraged because if you can manage to show up when they thought they wouldn't because it's not expected of them to, because they just gave a child. You're, you're consumed by that. No, they're encouraged because based on external, even the external keys, they continue to show up by discipline. And it's inspiring people. So you have, you have to have vision for what God is doing in your life. You, you are discouraged. There are cases of discouragement, but that's okay. It says of what? Encouragement. Amen? So I pray the Holy Spirit show your faces right now. The ones that encourage you. And if you really look at it, they're pretty even. All right, so let's, let's go down. That's the point. The point is you can never tell someone's internal temperature, their inner life based on external expressions. What's the lesson then of the personal case? The lesson is this, what? Quickly tell someone when you feel like what? You're drowning in doubt. Right? But since they had no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. In the beginning, when Mina read the text for today, it says that the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus said this, because they're always hearing, but not really, right? They're always seeing, but they can't understand. 
But in the end, verse 15, Jesus says, if they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn. Tell someone next to you, turn. Turn to them and say, turn. <laughs> Not turn, turn. Turn. Don't be drowning like that, okay? Now, turn. I would heal them. So this is a matrix. This is a simulation. A parable is not static. And so people, some people would be like, you can't preach it like that. Jesus said it like this. It's a parable, bro. It's a hypothetical. Relax. Right? They, they could only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, meaning a storm came, a perfect storm came, one they couldn't see. And they were trying to hold on because they received it with joy. But they quickly fell away. So when you're drowning, don't drown alone. Mitigate it. Because it says, the text says very clearly, if they would turn, I would heal them. That's really the construct of the whole passage. Jesus wants to meet you where you're at. You can be replanted, regrouped, re-anchored. It's not... It's not stationary, not fixed. Let me tell you a story about a decade ago. Let's put this picture up here. Who's this guy? <laughs> I am hot 88. <laughs> that was his aim name at Staten Island Tech, which he says is the 33 best high school in the nation or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. I know there's some tech people here. But Bronx Science is better than tech, right? Kyung agrees. But um, but but Stai is better than that. So. But anyway, besides the point, this is about 12, 12 years ago. This is when um, Eddie and Lee almost killed me in, in the beach. That's the proof right there. But um, so Andrew, who just became a board certified surgeon, Phew. You know, it was, it was all prayers, you know. I don't know about him, but it was, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, I remember uh, as he came to Christ during medical school, he really believed that God was going to reach the medical community, healthcare community through him. And God freely spoke to his heart about that. But then his step one score wasn't so hot. And he would tell you this, and then before, the, then he went absolutely crushed medical school after that. And he came to me one night with a crisis of faith. What's his backward head, I think, like that. And um, I said, what up? I am hot 88. What's up? What are you doing? <laughs> he said, you know, you know, P. Sam, I, I don't know how my faith makes sense when God said he would use me in New York. With my score, there's no way I would get a residency in New York. I would never match. Little did he know. That's, you know, actually a literary device that God uses too sometimes. Little did he know he would become a board-certified surgeon and become one of our first ever physicians in our church. But then when the crisis and the storm came, 
in the midst of crisis, he said, I just don't believe. It doesn't make sense for me. I don't know about this whole faith thing. I don't know about the whole God thing. My confidence is shattered. And I just wanted to tell you to be honest. And I'll, I'll still come to church, but this faith thing, I don't know about it. Because, you know, out of loyalty to you and P. Lid, because you helped me so much. And I said, you could leave. He said, what? I said, I said, the foundation of our church is, dude, I'm like you, a doubter, a sinner. I'm nobody without Christ. I follow Christ. Don't follow me or my wife out of loyalty or allegiance because you lost confidence. Let's pray together. Jesus is the foundation of your faith. You need to find him. He said, all right, we pray together. And in this confidence, in this, in this crisis of faith, Lee went back and watched every message in the gospel. He goes, and then he just texted me, I believe again. <laughs> Tears. Because he watched every message about the gospel again and found Jesus again. You can be what? Replanted when you're uprooted. When you're drowning in your faith, don't drown alone. We're stronger together. And everybody goes through a crisis of faith. Everybody. Myself, are you, come on, you saw my family. They were like, what are you doing? We're watching that. I'm, we're watching you. You're blocking me, watching you. You know, and I'm like, okay. And no one perfects faith. You know, we're, we're fighting the good fight. But if you're discouraged in your faith, in, in your life, don't think it's over. That's it. Given to despair. No. Talk to someone. Share with someone quickly. Because you know what the practically why we're encouraged by other physicians like Janice showing up to small group facilitating even after she had a baby is because of our healthcare workers in our church chose from med school, which is almost very difficult to do. To come to a small group to the city from Brooklyn, stop studying and show up week after week, 52 weeks out of the year. And then when Lee started to do that, Janice like, well, I got to do it. I can't let him outdo me, so I'm going to do it. And I, you know, I can't let him outdo me. Janice like, I'm going to be better than that. So I'm going to go two hours out, drive out. And God, she's like, God, this is really, and then she's studying in the train. Okay, I'll study in the train, I guess, you know. And then she brings X. Let's put this picture of X baptism here. If the seed of God died 12 years ago, the whole medical community in that church would be gone. So I'm giving you a snapshot. Because X came to Christ through Genesis witness at Stony Brook, which leads all. So the intersectionality is Rob meets Esther. <laughs> you see all the intersectionality here. But, but what I'm saying is the seed of God could have died by drowning the seed. And that's why the enemy attacks the seed. And sometimes our character will be tested when we're up against him. But it doesn't have to end that way. 
So what is the point? What is the lesson? It's okay to struggle. It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel like your world has broken apart and feel despair. We all do. And that's why Jesus says this. If you would what? See? If you would really hear and you would really understand, you would turn and I would heal them. The whole case of 180 is based on trusting the seed of God would sprout. Fighting discouragement. And seeing God's flourishing power in your life. So let me ask you, let me, let me ask you a question, okay? Whatever you might be in your life right now, and you go, I can't fathom, I can't see the flourishing. That's just, that just doesn't make sense to me. Good. It's okay. You can't see during the storm. But that's why we have each other. That's why the disciples went to Jesus and Jesus, why do you speak to him? Why do you speak to others in parables? And they had a conversation. Why did Peter not fall away? Why does Judas fall away, but not Peter after they denied Jesus? And I would say Peter denied Jesus worse because he didn't do it once. He did it three times. And there's only one difference. Peter had a conversation with Jesus. Judas was what? He was drowning in his own guilt and hung himself. And sometimes a lot of people end their spiritual life by hanging. They're drowned by their own guilt and shame and despair. Don't do that. Share your despair with us. Because misery lacks company. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. So when you lift your hands to the Lord today, other flourish 30, 60, 100 we don't know what they'll be but that's the goal of our community to join God restore the beauty in all things if you're discouraged today you're drowning today no you're not alone If you're discouraged by people that are living the spiritual life and the people even you're reaching out to, don't judge by outward appearances. Obey by faith. Represent by faith. Let's make this our prayer.
bring them back to the Father. To be replanted. To be re to be regrounded in Him. So the assignment they have can be fulfilled and the destiny would sprout. Not only in their lives, but for the sake of the world. And say, God, please help me deal with me, God, now. With my own prejudices, my own judgment. For some reason, and I'm speaking to myself, I think like I know things. And I do know things, but not really about things that are happening in the inner life, right? Like, there's no way I can see that. And sometimes our prejudices, the enemy uses against us too. Like, oh, I know. No, you don't know. We don't know what God will do. Say, so God, I repent of my own cynicism. My own catastrophic thinking. My disqualifying the positives. Help me live by faith, not by sight. says that the righteous fall 70 times but they rise again for those of you watching online and those present the propensity of your heart the leaning of your heart 
toward him, even in your struggle, even in your doubt. He says the seed is still alive. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, I rebuke every demonic, personal case, external case, every bit of resistance that comes against the seed of God. And I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I speak encouragement over the body today that the seed is alive. The communities here are stronger together. Two is better than one. You are not alone. So we'll pray the benediction as a body today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1A Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397 Prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, 
you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.